Welcome to the Guest X Podcast, where my co-host Brian O'Malley and I uncover the latest technologies and human-driven initiatives that are raising customer expectations and forever changing how we define customer experience across a host of industries. If you are passionate about creating incredible content and unique experiences, join us as we talk to leading product and experience experts across the globe and learn about how today's most successful brands are setting themselves apart from the competition. Welcome to the Guest X Podcast. I get asked a lot whether or not we do all these intros live. And uh, Mr. Amal, you can probably hear it from me. I, I almost have no voice left. That is I know. That this is, yeah, this is not pre-recorded. Well, uh, a week at the Darm Conference. Right. Excellent. Excellent. You know what? It's one of my favorite conferences of the year. It's got great content and a lot of senior level executives. You know, it, the the only thing I will tell you, and, and I, I, I think I understand it, it I would say that we're, we're stretching what is data and revenue management relevant. I feel like in the content a little bit at the conference, but I get it because these conferences cost money to put on and most of that money is paid for by the sponsors and vendors, right? And some of them, they're very tertiary to data and revenue management, but if you want to include them, you kind of have to broaden the topic a little bit. But other than that, I was, uh, it was just a, a phenomenal conference and so much about data. It'll be interesting because we're in, I love talking with people outside our industry. Our guest today's um, coming from outside of some of the lodging and hospitality uh, a little bit. But what I was going to say is it, it's amazing four years ago that like we weren't having any of these data con conversations. It's just the speed at which we've gotten to this point is it's fun to fun to sit back and look at. So do you think that was a, um, that was a change that happened because of COVID? Is this, is that what prompted people to really start to look at data? Because I don't know that we ever had the time to sit down as property managers, especially in the vacation rental space and pay attention to the data and then start to analyze it and figure out where we're getting the next guests from. Um, I think a lot of what's happened is that we've we've had the time to sit down and almost evolve the data and revenue management side of the business because we had time to sit at home and play on our computers and, and figure it out. And then also we had to be competitive with hotels. So during COVID, we were literally fighting with hotels for that exact same guess. I think the vacation rental space came ahead during those times because of of the product that we offer. But I think looking ahead, we're definitely going to go head to head for that same customer basis, basis, things start to normalize. Yeah, no, to your point, I, I think a little bit of it was we needed data when we were going through COVID, probably more than we've ever needed it before. It was kind of a nice to have and all of a sudden it went to, but the other thing is, I think it was, it just happened to be right at that perfect cross section, right? Where we finally had the tech that had the data in it, but I still think we're really early. The one thing is, is. Now people, I think, have a baseline understanding of the tech or of the data, but now we're trying to figure out, okay, how do I use it? How do I actually put it to use? One, one of the, go ahead. Yeah. And perhaps one of those things is that we are actually starting to bring in people from the hotel space. Yes. Uh, we didn't have, you know, companies like Marriott really operating in our space. Vicasa uh, started to implement a lot of their different types of technologies and some of the people start to transition from hotel space into vacation rentals. So maybe it was just forceful. It yeah, had to happen. No, well, and those people come from data industries, so they're going to, they're going to talk about, it. but it's, it's interesting because it's a segue now. And I'd love for you to introduce our guest today because 
As we were sitting there in the conference, somebody, and I can't, I can't remember who it was, might have been Jason Sprinkle of Key Data, but, but we, they were talking and there was a question, but the, the question was, it was, it was, it, it was, how do I educate my employees on this data, right? How do I make them more data literate? And their question was, because ultimately the data is not going to come off the screen and activate on its own. It's only good it if I can, you know, really get this absorbed by those frontline employees. So the data, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm loving that I'm seeing people make the connection between the data and the tech, but still in a human industry that, that you can't write code for everything and that it's really relevant. And I think for a long time, people were tra- treated as a zero or a one. It's a, you yeah. know, but it's not, it's, it's, it's no data is really important, but the people are really important and you've got to figure out a way to mix those. So I, I think it looks least- very similar to what we talk about using data for guest experience. Yes. We still don't know what to do with it. That's right. Uh, That's right. Well, let me introduce our guest today so he can join the conversation. Cause I think he's got some insights today. We have Matt Heller, uh, after 20 years in hospitality leadership and human resources, Matt Heller founded Performance Optimist Consulting and he, with one simple goal. He wants to develop leaders to lead. Matt now works with organizations, large and small, to help them improve leadership competencies, customer service, employee motivation, and teamwork. He is also an author and a podcaster. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Brian and Matt. Uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, nice to have you on the show. It's uh, it's not very often that we actually have other co-hosts of podcasts come on the show, so this is exciting for us because yeah, real conversations. It feels good, and uh, hopefully our audience gets gets to uh, know you and get a little bit of uh, wise wiseness out of you. I'm not even gonna cut this so they can. That's not a word. What what is why, I, I don't even know. Like, what is the word? I don't, I, I don't know. They'll become wisdom. more wise, but I, anyway, wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Oh, wisdom is the word. Right you can get it. I can get it. Let it's our wisdom. guests talk. Yes. We need to get on yeah. the mics. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Matt, give us a little bit of your background for those guests that have never, uh, heard of you and, uh, tell us what you're up to a little bit about the podcast and your books. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for having me on here. Um, As you mentioned, I've been in the attractions industry now for uh, a little over 30 years and uh, spent a lot of time in operations, a lot of time in human resources. 2011 is when I started my own company and I really wanted to understand what was going on at other organizations. I worked at Universal Studios in Orlando for quite a while and, and other places around the industry. But I always had this desire to kind of get involved with the larger attractions industry. So I wanted to work with zoos and aquariums and water parks and, and family entertainment centers. And that's exactly what I get to do now. So I work with leaders all across those different, um, different industries, really focusing on a lot of employee engagement, a lot of coaching of specific leaders and making sure that they've got the tools and resources to be successful. A lot of that is around communication and getting over conflict. So really everything on the people side of the business is where I sort of hang my hat. Um, thank you for mentioning that I'm an author. I've written two books. One is called The Myth of Employee Burnout. That was my first book. That's really about, you know, how you sometimes get an employee and they start off really strong and then somewhere along the line, they kind of fizzle out. Well, for a long time, at least in the attractions industry, we blamed that on certain things. We blamed that on 
you know, long hours and the, you know, the crazy weather and the crazy guests. And ultimately it really came down to leadership. And as a leader, are you continually creating a, an engaging environment for your team? And so that's really why I call it the myth of employee burnout, because to me, there, there's no myth that burnout happens. And we're certainly seeing a lot of that uh, uh, post pandemic or kind of as we're kind of getting out of the pandemic a little bit. Uh, but the myth to me is really why it happens. And if we can't figure out why it happens, we'll never, we'll never overcome it. The other book that I wrote is called All Clear, a practical guide for first-time leaders and the people who support them. And that's really about moving into a leadership role, which I absolutely, absolutely saw as a, as, a, as a gap, as a challenge. And then the podcast, and it's great to be on this side of the microphone, uh, usually on the other side asking the questions. So thank you for that opportunity. Uh, the podcast that I do is with Josh Liebman, who I think has been on your show already. Uh, it's called Attraction Pros. And this really focuses on highlighting leaders and best practices in the attractions industry. So we're not a news outlet. We're not trying to get the latest and greatest, you know, rides and things like that. We really want to hear from the, the humans that run these facilities and both on the manufacturer side and the, the, um, the operation side. And it's just been a super, super fun journey to see where that podcast has taken us. So that's a little bit about me. That's great. I love, you know, Brian, we, we've talked it all, you know, as, as we said in the intro, it kind of all goes back to people. And, um, I think sometimes it's just, people feel like it's such a mystery and, and people are hard. I mean, we as humans are just, everybody's different and what m motivates people is different. And, and, but if you can't get the best out of them, you're going to always struggle, I think, to reach your goals, their goals, the company's goals. And, and to deliver the experience you want, you know, I think Matt, one of the things that'd be interesting is now having gone through COVID and now as we're kind of on that other side, um, right now, but still dealing with the labor, obviously changes and, and remote work. I also think just a little bit of a shift in people's priorities, maybe. And they, it's, you know, it's been a chance to step back and look at what they really want out of life. Have you seen that? what's required or what makes a great leader? Has it, has it fundamentally changed or are certain aspects that were always there of a great leader, maybe just now being more highlighted when you look at the ones that are successful in this new market versus maybe the ones that are still struggling and trying to find their way? Yeah, it's a great question. I think what has always to me made a great leader is someone who puts their team first and can really identify with the people that they're leading. Um, obviously you have to have the financials wherewithal, you have to understand about, um, you know, leading, leading a, an organization. Uh, but to me, like you mentioned, it does come down to people and the people that I've seen really, I hate to say thrive, but do well through the pandemic are the people that were able to take that and kind of 10 X their, their desire to help people. And so it turned from you know, yes, we are a people-focused organization to now we're going to set up even more opportunities for our team members to be heard, to, you know, share their struggles, to get help, you know, so they really took the kind of the people element and kind of took that to the next level. And I bet what I've seen a lot of leaders do. Is that through passion of the company as well? Because I see a lot of really good leaders step into roles of other companies. I'm just, there, there is no passion for the business that they're in. And, and I feel sometimes people just take a job for the check, um, but they don't take the job because they're passionate about what they're doing, which then in turn 
turns out to be an absolute failure for the company and it's the complete opposite of success. So being able to teach people, I think starts through passion of what you're doing. Is that, is that an important element when you start to do consulting work with some of these small or big companies? 100%. And I think passion comes in so many different facets, right? And uh, a lot of times I, I equate passion and sometimes creativity because you know, sometimes people will say, well, I'm not creative because I can't paint a picture or I can't write a song or I can't do these things that are creative. Well, there's a lot of people that are really creative and passionate about numbers. You guys were talking about data earlier, right? There's people that are extremely passionate about data. You put that spreadsheet or that data dashboard in front of me and my eyes are going to glaze over, but that's not me. That is not my strong suit. And I know that. So I think we have to not only identify people as being passionate for the organization and the purpose of the organization and what that stands for. Um, and I think to Matt's point earlier, people are realizing that they have choices when it comes to, are my passions aligning with the organization's passions? And if they haven't been in the past, but they were doing it for the paycheck or they did it because, you know, they were afraid of what else might be out there. Now they're saying, I think I have options, right? And I can make sure that my passions are aligned. And then when you get back to the question of, is the leader passionate? This is where I sort of kind of equate it with uh, creativity because again, I think there's passion around many different things. Do they have passion for the organization and what, what the organization is, is actually doing? Yes, great, first step, right? Then what are their other sort of sub passions? Do they have a passion for people? Do they have a passion for developing the business? Do they have a passion for finance? Do they have a passion for operations? And then how do you steer that person into the right, into the right role? I think for upper level executives, their passion really has to be for developing other people, right? So their passion may be finance, but they're in a role now where they're developing other people to be the, the person that's actually driving the, the bus when it comes to finance. So now they're developing people. And I think that's one of the big shortcomings that I've seen in many organizations where people get promoted because they're a good data analyst, but they're not a good leader, mm -hmm. right? And that's a, that's a totally different skill set. And so organizations, large and small, really have to focus on developing the leadership skills, if not before someone's in a leadership role, certainly very close to uh, that promotion so that you don't have somebody that may be passionate about the organization, but has no idea how to develop other people. That's a really interesting point. I mean, where do people, and, and a lot of people step into these roles as CEOs and, and they leave their companies. Where do they learn to do this kind of stuff? Because it's not something that you actually learn in school. Uh, leading a company, you know, you can learn to read a spreadsheet. You can learn to do different activities within a company, but you can't learn to be a leader. So, you know, if, if I'm taking on a company and all of a sudden I become the leader of the company, where do you get those resources from to actually learn to be a good leader? Is that through mentorship? Do you look through for, for people close to you to be able to teach you how to do those things? What, what would be your approach to actually develop a leader to be a successful leader? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head with mentorship. Right. I absolutely think that if you can find someone that you know and you trust and you can get some valuable and directed feedback from, um, I think that person's going to be, uh, you know, gold in your pocket, if you will. I also think that most of the leaders that I know of, and there's a couple I'm, I'm thinking of that are really successful are the ones who are always asking questions. They're, they're very curious and they're not afraid to kind of jump in and say, I don't understand, like, help me understand this. So 
as the CEO of an organization, you know, you go down on the manufacturing floor or you go out into the, to the ride operations area and you say, you know what, this is not my expertise. Help me learn, you know, and, and they develop relationships that way and also develop their skills. And then I think, you know, there's, there's that kind of lifelong learning uh, that I think most really great leaders share. And so it could be reading books. It could be watching videos. It could be get, you know, having a mentor or a coach. It could be, you know, learning from your team. I think that's one underrated um, area where people may not focus enough. And I think part of that could be as people get into CEO roles and, and upper levels of leadership, they think, well, I'm kind of expected to know everything. So am I, am I really supposed to be learning from people who are my quote unquote subordinates? Well, I say yes, because they're going to have a lot of really great insight to the, what's going on in the front line, what's going on with your guests. And so the more you can just be open and learn about those things, the more you can be a, a well-rounded and well-seasoned CEO. Now there's a caveat to that, of course, because once you go out there and you say, I don't really understand this. Can you help me learn? Well, you better learn it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to do that once or say, you know, I really didn't get what we talked about last time, but if you're asking the same question over and over again, and you're not learning, or you're making the same mistake over and over again, that's where people are going to really lose trust and respect in you. Yeah. And I think, you know, Matt, I think one of the key things here as well is, and, and you actually do this a lot, which is you're very involved with your team. And I think that brings a lot of respect from your team members to you. They have a lot of loyalty. You put in the hours, you understand your teams, you're very involved with the different departments, but that in turn makes people want to work harder because you're part of their teams, whether, whether you want to or not. Absolutely. And I think time is one of those things that we never seem to have enough of, but it's really what your team members want from you, right? When you think about, you know, do they want the gift cards? Do they want, you know, you know, extra money? Well, of course, everybody would love that, right? But ultimately, when you talk about what do you want from your, from your direct leader, you want time, right? Time to talk to them, time to learn from them, time to get feedback, time to share some suggestions. And that's, again, the one thing that we tend not to have. One trend that I've seen for many years, unfortunately, is the trend to become more efficient, right? And you maybe have a team of 10 over here and you have a team of 10 over here and they both have a, maybe a department leader. And then because, well, we're trying to cut costs a little bit, we want to be a little bit more efficient. We're going to combine those two teams. And now we have one person that's leading 20 people instead of two people that are leading groups of 10. And then somewhere down the road, we try to get even more efficient and then all of a sudden, you've got one person that's trying to lead a, a team of 100, where a couple of years ago, it was one person leading a group of 10. So you can see right there, that's just through the corporate strategy of how that is taken away the time that leaders really need to get to know their teams and to be out there, whatever that looks like in their organization with them. It is interesting. I think um, you, you said something earlier, Matt, that, that struck a chord with me, which was setting, well, we talk a lot about setting guest expectations, but I think it's equally as important today to set employee expectations during the job interview process in that I think the more open and honest you are about here's who we are as an organization, here's the type of people that usually succeed. It allows employees sometimes will self direct, especially, especially I feel like as they be, as they mature in their professional career, 
they they start to really, especially those who who are very self-aware, they start to learn like these are the type of places where I thrive, where I find energy. These are the type of of atmospheres where I don't. And I think sometimes we're not real, especially in a competitive market like this, we're not real open and honest sometimes about where we are as an organization. We talk a lot about this at Explory, where we are still an organization that is in kind of that hyper growth mode. So we are, things change quickly. And if you're the type of person who gets very frustrated that today we're doing this and two weeks from now, nope, we don't do that. We're going to do this because we're always tweaking and, and we fight the, we hope that those aren't, you know, done haphazardly, but it's important to be agile. But those people don't seem to, you know, people who don't like that, they don't last very long. I think it's a really important, right? It just like setting um, expectations for guests so that the guest experience is good, setting expectations for employees so that you get the right employees to begin with. Absolutely. And kind of what I'm hearing you talk a little bit about is something that Josh and I talk a lot about, and that is sort of the intersection of the guest and employee experience, right? Where the things that you need to be doing for your guests are very similar to things that you should be doing for yeah. your employees. So you want your guests to know what the expected expectation is you set the expectation and you communicate it. It's the same with employees. You want your guests to be loyal. You treat them well. You want your employees to be loyal. You treat them well. So there's a lot of parallels to those two things, but to kind of get to your question uh, about employee expectations, that's one thing that I have changed a little bit over the years in, in a good way, because I think in the past, it's been so much of come join our team. These are all the benefits. This is all the great stuff that's going to happen, but Never did they talk about they're going to be long hours. You know, you're going to do these things, right? There wasn't that transparency or reality of what people were actually going to be going through in that job. And, you know, a lot of companies now are moving to, from, you know, a one-on-one -on -one interview to more of a group interview um, process where you can start to see that person's personality. Or one thing that I advocate for is if you've got the time and the resources, put that person you know, into a situation where they're actually going to be doing what they're doing potentially when they're hired, right? And so you get to see how they're actually going to, to work in that environment, but almost as importantly, they get to understand more specifically about what they're going to be experiencing on the job. You know, certainly as we came through COVID, you know, the guest expectations, you know, were that, you know, if somebody says masks are required, then everybody should have a mask on. Well, that comes down to the the frontline employee, you know, in any service business to enforce that. And now you get somebody that may not have the tools or resources to deal with that. And they're dealing with all these people coming up to them and saying, why isn't this person wearing a mask? And I'm not going to wear a mask and all these different things. And was that ever talked about in the interview? I'm guessing not, right? That you're going to have to, to deal with these kind of things um, as an employee. So I think the more real you can be, the better opportunity that person has to say at the beginning, this is not for me. Mm. And I'm, I've always said that that's the time you want them to say it, right? Because then you're not spending the time and money uh, and making the emotional investment to bring somebody on board, train them up, you know, make them, you know, hopefully a productive member of your team. And then they're saying, mm, mm, this is not for me. Right. So I think, I think right up front, those expectations have to be set. And so is that the responsibility of the CEO to be able to identify that type of expectation and then take it down a few levels so that people understand when change is coming? 
Because I think what's happened over, especially over the last maybe year, year and a half, is people have actually changed in general. People's expectations have changed. People in general have changed. Their expectations have changed. And so adaptability is something that a lot of people haven't been used to because we've never really had to do it, whereas now it does. It is very difficult to implement that. So is that something that you do over time? Is How do you identify what needs to be done? Do you do it in chunks? Do you do it all in one go to be able to execute it right? Well, I think you have to do it in chunks. Um, that's how we learn as human beings, right? You, you know, you can you can go to a, a, a one-time class or, or experience and you might get a couple of nuggets, but the more often that you are, are engaging with that content or engaging with that person, the more often you're going to, you know, personalize what they're talking about and say, oh, this is what really matters to me. So I absolutely think you you need to be doing it on a consistent basis, like, you know, focusing on those expectations on an, on a consistent basis. And then kind of the beginning part of that question was, is this something that comes from the CEO and then kind of trickles down? Um, I really think it's it's a collaborative effort for everybody in the organization, right? You know, the CEO is going to set the big vision and they're going to say, this is where we want to be. You know, this is how we want the, the business to be in 10 years and where we want to go and that kind of thing. They may not be, depending on the size of the organization, as familiar with, in my world, in the attractions world, what the right operator is doing on a daily basis, right? Mm -hmm. What the person that is that's selling a ticket is doing on a daily basis. So I think that's where it becomes collaborative. And you get those those people to give you input from all levels. And then you say, okay, this is our set of expectations, right? And this is this is what people can expect when they come in. This is what we expect. Let's not forget that, right? I mean, there's, there's a, a two-way street when it comes to employment, right? You know, your team members are certainly going to be expecting things. They want to be supported. They want to be paid. They want to, you know, get all the things that you've promised. But as an employer, you expect them to be on time. You expect them to, you know, follow through. You expect them to... At, at the best of their ability, take in the education that you're providing to them so they can be a productive team member. So we have to remember that is a two-way street. Yeah. But I think this is a, it's, it's a fascinating topic. You've got to understand your company. You have to understand the people that you're hiring and the culture that you want to build within your, your organization and that, and I think we talk about this a lot on the podcast, in turn is going to make the guest experience the right guest experience. And, you know, as we talk to more and more people, it doesn't matter what type of technology you set up in your business. It really does come down to the people and executing on, on a people level. Absolutely. You know, one thing I would, I would share about that is I had a recent experience at, a, at an amusement park where you talk about the tech, right? And how so many things have gone on your phone that you can, you can use to experience a, any facility. And there was a particular thing that we wanted to do and we had to you know buy an extra thing or do something on our phone and there was a kind of a a stand if you will in the middle of the park where you could walk up and they had all kinds of information about the thing you know five years ago you would have actually purchased whatever it was that you were going to purchase there but now you everything is done in your phone everything yeah. that that needs to be done for that process is on your phone so theoretically like if you knew what you were doing you could do it all from your phone you'd never need to talk to a person but what yep. was so interesting is they had this stand in the middle of the park and they had all the, the signage about it. And they had two team members sitting there and we walked up and we asked them about this process and everything. They were super helpful, super helpful. And we said, okay, we'd like to buy this thing. And they said, well, okay, you do it on your phone and blah, blah, blah. And then just me being me, I said, okay, so what are you guys here for? Like, if you're not going to process the transaction, what are you here for? And their answer was amazing. They said, we're here for emotional support because that tech 
for a lot of people would probably be, okay, I can fumble through, I can figure it out. For some people's, like they, they might just abandon the whole process because they're like, I can't figure this out, forget it. And then that turns into a bad review later on. Mm. Yeah. We talk, Brian, about meeting guests where they're at. And yeah. um, the guest communications right now is, is, I think, an issue that a lot of lodging providers are struggling with. And I think some of it comes from the frustration that they're looking for the silver bullet. When the answer is your guests are coming to you from different backgrounds and um, different places, they're at different points in their journey. And depending upon what those backgrounds are and what the points are, you've, you've, you're going to have to use various different ways to interact with them, text and email and phone calls and everything else. I think employees are very similar. They, they are at a different point and you've got to be prepared to deal with them individually. I do think that that's part of it too, is that employees today, they want to be, they want to be treated as an individual who is coming with their own background and their own skills, but also there's areas where they're lacking. And if you, you've got to be able to spend that time, you know, like you said, Matt, to really understand why is this person here? Why did they choose Explore of all the places they could work and what's in it for them? And, and if you can help them achieve their goals and depending upon where they are in their career, I think those goals will be different, but if you can help them achieve their goals, they're going to help the company achieve the company goals. And, mm -hmm. um, and that's, that, that's something I think is, is really important. So Matt, as, as we start to wrap up, t tell us just a little about your consulting, you know, how do you work? Are, are a lot of your companies, are they on a project basis or do you kind of work with them on an ongoing basis? Is there a certain level of employee, um, that you're typically brought in to kind of help work with, or a certain part of the business and HR structure? How's that work? Can I just say yes to all of what yeah. you said? <laughs> sure, absolutely. One-stop shop. So, yeah, exactly. Well, maybe not all the things you just talked about, but um, most of my consulting is done with leaders. So people that in, in some way, shape, or form have some sort of leadership or, or authority um, in their organization. And that could be a frontline leader the very first time they've actually kind of taken the reins as a leader all the way up through you know, executives, park presidents, CEOs. So it really does run the gamut. Mm. What's interesting is I find that a lot of times they have the same issues, right? Oh, wow. So whether yeah. it's, it's, you know, around how to develop another person or, you know, some of the, the personal issues. Like I think as I go think about the people that I work with that are, that are higher on the, on the ladder, sometimes, you know, their issues, I shouldn't say issues, but the things that we talk <laughs> about a lot are things around they're they're more interpersonal than they are tactical if that makes sense right yep. so uh, i work with a lot of folks on kind of the, the the spectrum of of leadership and very much like you said sometimes it's a project sometimes it's one off sometimes i'm i'm coming in to deliver you know a a, a day long training program uh, most of the clients i work with now are on a more ongoing basis and okay. you know quite frankly that's because i found that i could come in when I, when i very very early started in my business, I could come in and do a, a training program and that's what I knew how to do. But I would learn so much while I was there that I was like, oh, they really need help with these other areas. Right. And so I started to try to figure out how do I, how do I form my business? How do I model my business? So that when I'm pitching something, I'm not just saying, Hey, let's work on something for the day. Let's look at this 
as a, as a six month project or a year, because I know ultimately I'm going to learn more about that organization and more about how I can help them, whether it is around one specific leader or a group or, you know, a certain team, or maybe their, their HR processes are just completely out of a whack and, you know, they're not aligned with what the organization is actually trying to do. You don't find those things out until you really get in and in some cases almost become an employee, you, you almost get that close. And so it really does run the gamut of what I'm, what I'm able to do and how I'm able to help uh, my clients. Yeah, I'm sure that helps with your clients. Cause I do know sometimes the, you know, among business owners, sometimes there's a feeling that consultants kind of come in, they, they take a very surface view of things. Um, kind of, oh, you need to do this, this, and this, and then they're kind of out and it does, it takes a while to dig in mm -hmm. and really understand sometimes what you see at the surface are the symptoms. You gotta get in there deep to, to understand what's really causing that. So yeah, if, if some of our listeners wanted to, to talk with you further or get some more information, what, what would be the best way, Matt, for them to reach out? Sure. Probably to go to my website, which is performanceoptimist.com. Um, all my contact information is on there, including if you scroll down a little bit on the, the, the main page, there's a little, um, link that you could actually set up a time on my calendar. So I use Calendly. You could just click on there, find a time that works for you and, uh, we'll lock it in and we'll chat about whatever you want to chat about. That's great. Uh, I, you know, well, a lot of really good information here, Brian. Uh, yeah. and I encourage people, if you've got questions, reach out to Matt. He's a fantastic guy. So. Uh, yeah, it's been great having you on the show today. Thank you, thank Matt. You for, yes, thank you for coming. Absolutely. My pleasure. It was super fun to talk to you both. That's it for this week's episode of Guest X. Be sure to sign up for our email list at guestxpodcast.com. That's guest, the letter X, podcast.com. And follow us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. We are Mr. Guest Experience, Brian Hamawi and Matthew Loney signing off and reminding you to always create a customer experience worth talking about. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.